speak to our hearts. We love you and we thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. It is the third week of Advent. Today we get to light the joy candle. Can I have my candle lighters and scripture readers come forward, please? So we're going to have one candle lit for hope. That was the first week of uh, Advent. One candle lit for love. That was last week. And then today is joy. So we have a scripture for each one. And there's a microphone right on the table there, ready to go. Okay, Hope, Ephesians 1.18. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Our hope has not been extinguished. (laughs) There it goes. Psalms 25, 6 to 8. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and unfailing love, which you have shown from the long ages past. Do not remember the rebellious sins of my youth. Remember me in the light of your unfailing love, for you are merciful, O Lord. Today, the joy candle, which is a different color. Uh, Many people have asked me why the joy candle is a different color. I have no idea. (laughs) So there ends that puzzle. Joy, Zephaniah 3.17. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Thank you, gentlemen. Next week, we get to light the second to last candle, which is the candle of peace. And then on Christmas Eve, we get to light the center candle, the Christ candle, celebrating the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. So today is joy. There's a lot to be joyful about. Busy week this week. We had the toy run. I think I have a picture of the toy run right there. Um, those guys are awesome. Raised over $4,000 for underprivileged families that we can help out now and, and provide toys for. So that was pretty good. And thank you for all for your part in it, organizing it, and uh, there was a lot of work that went into it, but it's worth it. And then we had the Living Nativity. We went out on Friday. We went out last night. Here's our crew from last night. What a fine-looking bunch of people going through the streets. We have shepherds. We have wise men. We have Jesus and Mary and singing songs, and it's good, and we get to do it again tonight. We've got one last Tonight, uh, what's the next shot? Did I put a map on there? I didn't put a map on there. Oh, maybe later. I think I have a route map for you a little bit later on. Those things are things that bring joy. They bring joy to me, and um, I believe that they bring joy to the Lord Jesus Christ as he looks down upon us. You know, and we're going to be serving communion later. If you're online, get yourself some bread, get yourself some juice, or however you like to celebrate communion, and we'll be serving that at the end of of the service. I love that verse. Zephaniah 3:17. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. You know, sometimes I put that one in there and I thought, man, I got to dive into this a little bit. There there are some passages of scripture that are worth kind of just getting a little bit deeper. Just, just look at this verse. For the Lord your God is living among you. And it's so personal, the Lord your God. Not a God or their God. The Lord your God is living among you. And it's active right now, this moment. 
How's he living among us? In the spirit, his spirit and the people all around us. Jesus is, is here in, in each one of us. He comes to us in the form of the hurting people, the beggar, that person who is in need, that person that just needs someone to listen to them, someone to pray with them, a word of encouragement. It's just great for me. We're not abandoned. The Lord your God is with you and you are saved. If he is your Lord, he is your savior. He is a mighty savior. Again, it's active. It's not a passive thing. He is your mighty Savior. You are saved. And He will take delight in you with gladness. Anyone struggle with that one a little bit? He will take delight in you with gladness. I think sometimes we live the burden of our weakest moments. And we've got sin kind of hanging around us because we all fall into temptation, don't we? Or am I the only one? We, we, just me, thank you. <laughs> thank you for that affirmation, Louis. <laughs> but we all do. And sometimes, you know, when I read that verse and I'm thinking about God over the, up, looking over me with gladness, it's kind of, oh, I'm not really sure about that. But that's what he says. He looks over us with gladness. He takes delight in you with gladness. Again, very, very personal. You know, a lot of people describe, they say that the scripture is God's love letter to us. Well, that's very apparent in this passage of Scripture. It's a beautiful word. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. If you turn them over to him, he will calm all your fears. It's not he might or he's, you know, I'm thinking about this. He will It's active. He will calm all your fears. And this last line, he will rejoice over you with joyful songs. You imagine God looking down on you personally up in heaven and singing songs over you. It's like, this is my, this is one of mine. He's walking around heaven. I don't know. And everybody, oh, God's in a good mood. He's singing songs. Who's, who's he singing songs for? He's singing songs for candy, you know. He's, he's singing songs. It, it, it's just, wow. It's a great verse to meditate on and, and personalize it. So I don't, I don't know if I put this in your notes. Oh, if you didn't get the sermon notes and you need sermon notes, just raise your hand. We'll get some to you. Anybody need them? One over here? Come on, let's get one over here somewhere. Someone, yeah, 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 one there. Oh, yeah. And then one back there. I love to personalize scripture. So I went through this one. For the Lord, my God, is living with me. He is my mighty savior. He will take delight in me with gladness. With his love, he will calm all my fears. He will rejoice over me with joyful songs. You know, sometimes you want to take a verse. You want, a verse like this, make a little card. Stick it on the door, put it on the fridge so that you can see it all the time and just remind yourself. And then when the condemner comes, because he likes to come calling, and and he starts loading up you with guilt and, and everything else, you can read the verse to him. This is what my God said. I don't know who you are. This is what my God said about me. And, and you've got to understand... You go to the beginning of this passage of Scripture. This wasn't written to one of the super saints. It wasn't written to Paul or Peter. This was written to the Israelite people at the time of their worst rebellion. You go back and read the beginning of Zephaniah. It's ugly. And then it finishes up with this. And, And basically what he's saying, the Lord is saying, you may be broken and fallen and messing up. You may be unfaithful, but I am among you. I am your savior. I will bring you back. I will turn you around. I will take delight in you. I will be glad over you. I love you. I will calm all your fears. I will rejoice over you with joyful songs. I will. And if the Lord says, I will, he will. Now, how do you feel about that? Does that put joy in your heart? That should put joy in your heart right there. It's a great verse. 
You know, doing research on, on this word joy. If we can go to the next slide, please. Joy, joyful, joyfulness, joyous, rejoice, enjoy. I was just going through the Bible with all the references to the word joy, and I came up with 528 different results, which tells me that joy is a big deal. It's a big deal to God. He wants his people to have joy. But the question that, you know, that I kind of think of sometimes is, where does joy come from? Do you ever notice that some people seem to be predisposed to a pleasant nature? They just seem to be joyful. And then other people are not so joyful. They can be in the exact same circumstances, exact same situation. And one person is praising and the other person is complaining. So is it something that it's just, you know, yeah, maybe you're just born with joy or you're not born with joy. Or is it a product of our environment? You know, if your basic needs are met, if you live in a nurturing, loving environment, is joy the natural product of that? It's got to be part of it, hasn't it? I think. Or is it a gift from God? I think it's probably a little bit of all of those things. Galatians 5 tells us that, that joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So living in a spiritually, emotionally, physically healthy environment makes it easier to access joy. And in my experience and my observation, some people definitely seem to be more prone to joy than others. I'm married to my wife and she's married to me and we're different on this. But here's the thing. Joy is available to all people. Every single person can have joy in all circumstances. How do I know that? Because God said so. Exactly. Philippians 4.4 4 says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. If the Lord tells you to always be full of joy, he gives you the capacity to follow the command that he has given you. He doesn't tell you to do something and then not give you the ability to do it. Now, it might not be easy to do, but it's doable. I say it again, rejoice. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Living a life of joy. Romans 15, 13. Paul says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of of the Holy Spirit. So what that tells me is that joy is freely available to all, but for some people it's fleeting. Why is that? Because sometimes we allow joy stealers in our lives. Some things are out of our control, circumstances. But some are internal. And those things steal our joy, fear. When we allow Fear to dominate us, it steals our joy. Selfish ambition, ego, will steal your joy. Perfectionism will steal your joy. Anybody ever know a perfectionist? It doesn't matter how good it is, it's never quite right. And they, they can't get to that place where they're satisfied and happy and joyful over it. It's got to do this little bit more. Nobody look at Hector. Bitterness, envy, jealousy will steal your joy. Guilt and shame will steal your joy. Pride, image will steal your joy. Anger will steal your joy. Greed and excess, I want more. That will steal your joy. Those are all internal, but there are also very real external circumstances that can steal our joy. Health, finances, you lose your job, your 401k goes away and... You know, it's funny because um, I did some research on this. Not funny, I guess. But interesting. I was listening. I can't even remember who the guy was. He's a Nobel Prize winner. And he was talking about happiness and in relation to income. And they've done so many surveys on this. And, and he said that there's a great observation. They asked a whole mass of people in all different income brackets to rate overall happiness of their life on a scale of 1 to 10. He said at $60,000, 
The line is flat. Doesn't matter whether you earn two million a year, whether you earn a hundred thousand a year, whether you earn sixty thousand a year, the line is flat. All reported the exact same level of happiness. Under sixty thousand, see money can't make you happy, but a lack of money can make you sad. And you slip into poverty, and that's why it's important. That's why we do things like the toy run. If you're on that nice flat one, we're supposed to help bring those other people up. That's part of what we do. But finances can steal your joy. Relational issues can steal your joy. Sometimes life will beat you up. But that doesn't mean that you have to surrender your joy. Sometimes you've got to claim it back. It's like if Jesus said, I can have joy, I want some joy. Regardless of my circumstances, Jesus, I need some joy back. You know, a few years ago, I'm going to tell on my wife here. A few years ago, we were going through some difficult circumstances and Sometimes life makes you sad. And I remember Sandra making a decision. She said, I choose joy. And she went out of her way to choose joy. Now, to the point that when we got our Christmas decorations out this year, <laughs> she said, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I said, I, I choose joy. She said, I'm, I'm unpacking the Christmas decorations. Might have gone a little overboard. <laughs> How can you go overboard on joy? <laughs> it's everywhere in our house. So <laughs> I was telling somebody this story, and I turned around, and there were three joy signs. I walked in another room, and there's three. I went out the front door, and I turned around, and there's a joy sign on the front door. And then Sandra's wearing a t-shirt that says, I choose joy. <laughs> but she chose to fill her life with joy. She made a choice for joy. She told everybody about her choice for joy. That's why we have so many joy things, because all of her friends went out and got plaques and little things. Well, here's a joy thing. And I, I was asking her yesterday, she doesn't remember this, but I'm pretty positive that each day she would ask the Lord to show her joy. And then come back and talk about the joy that Jesus had showed her, and pray and give thanks for the joy that he provided that day. She looked for it. Now, I always got to be careful when I preach a message like this. People are going through stuff. And I don't want to minimize whatever you might be going through. Oh, you just need joy. Because sometimes it's not that easy, is it? You know, I got up yesterday and I'm reading the reports of those tornadoes. And all those people, and I'm thinking, right before Christmas. I wonder how much joy is going on there. Those things are real. But what the Scripture teaches us, and we've got to always go back to the Scripture with whatever is going on in our lives, we've got to take it back to Jesus because Jesus has promised us, I can bring you joy in the midst of whatever circumstance you may find yourself in if you will open yourself up to my joy. Sometimes you go through a season where joy is hard to find. But if you keep trusting in the Lord, he will bring it back to you. He will help you to rejoice. That's what that's all about. Now look at that verse, Philippians 4.4. 4, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. So I've got a simple three-word acronym for you this morning to help you choose joy. If joy is fleeting for you, this is to help you maybe get it back. If, if maybe you're a overflowing with joy. Well, get some more. You can share it. That's what we're supposed to do. So the real simple acronym, and the acronym is joy. joy. It's in the notes, right? <laughs> so let me give you the whole thing, and then we'll, we'll fill it in. J, Jesus first. If you want to fill in your blanks, Jesus first. O, others second. And Y, you third. Now, I'm just going to be up front with you. We're at church. That's kind of like, duh. It's always Jesus first, others second, you third, right? If you've got constipation, Jesus first, others second, you third, I'm cured. Not a, not a good illustration, Mike. <laughs> but bear with me. 
Bear with me, okay? Don't just think, oh, yeah, whatever, Jesus first, other second. If you're seeking joy, you find joy when your needs are met. When all of our needs are met, we become joyful. When our needs are not met, then we're not completely joyful because we're looking for something. There's something that we need. Well, what's my greatest need? What's your greatest need? Jesus. That's our number one need in life. We need God first. Our second greatest need? Other people. We were created to be in community with other people. My third greatest need is me. It's okay to take care of yourself. It's okay to take time off. It's okay to, to relax a little bit. And it's all through the scripture. We looked at this last week. What was Jesus' greatest command? Love the Lord, God first. Love others as you love yourself. J-O-Y, Jesus first, others second, you third. Now here's the thing with this little magic formula. If you take care of the first two, they'll take care of the third one. You take care of the first two, they'll take care of the third one. You try to take care of the third one without taking care of the first two, you will never achieve joy. You will never experience joy. You know, I'm going to get on my soapbox here. Here's the problem. We live in a consumer culture that tells you that if you want joy in your life, you've got to look after number one, right? If you don't look after you, who's going to look after you? You've got to look after number one. And they're here to help you take care of number one. And it's weird because it's no surprise that the more that we seek to take care of number one, the more broken we become as a society. If taking care of number one, as we're told, is the way to joy, why are more and more people on antidepressants? Why are our children on antidepressants? Why is our suicide rate constantly going up? The richer we get, the more affluent we get, the worse we get. It doesn't make any sense. Why are people going to dating sites for married people? I'll tell you why. Because we live in a joy-sucking, take-care-of-number-one consumer society. We are constantly bombarded with messages about the I. Me, me, me. And there are almost always negative messages presented by people with big smiles on their faces. You're not good-looking enough. You need a tuck or a lift or a press and you could be like me. I can help you with that. Your car is not good enough. You could have a car like me. I can help you with that. Your house, have you seen the neighbor's house? You need a house like the neighbor's got. I can help you with that. I mean, we get it all the time, don't we? We're, we're, we don't look good enough. Our kids are not good enough. Our spouse is not good enough. I can help you with that. Oh, and if that doesn't bring you joy... In six months, we're bringing out version 2.0. We can do it all again. And we get sucked into this. It comes at us at every angle. And you can't help getting into it. And I'll tell you how I know we get sucked into it. Because of fashion. We all wear the same clothes at the same time. And in two years' time, we're ashamed of those clothes. We wouldn't be seen dead in those clothes. Because, ugh. Now we have new clothes. Because they've got to keep selling you something, Right? You just need to take care of you. The more we focus on the I, the unhappier and less joyful and more discontent we become. And it's a scientific fact. Proven over and over again. So why don't we change it? I'll tell you why we don't change it. Because happy people, content people don't buy stuff. So we've got to have a consumer-driven society that's not happy and it's not content, and that's what moves us forward. Sadly, it's the American dream. Because the American dream is not happiness, right? 
It's the pursuit of happiness. We're just going to keep moving that carrot so you can keep chasing it. That's my soapbox. If you want to find joy in your life, look upwards first. Look to the Lord first. Look out second and look in third. If you take care of this, through this, you'll get this. That's the only way it works. It's a scriptural fact. We were created to be first in communion with God, to be second in communion with one another, and then we will find wholeness for our soul, for our spirit. So, Jesus first. How am I doing for time here? Okay. Cowboys play today by any chance? When? Oh, dear. That's why we have recorders. Thank you all for being here this morning. Thank you. Got your cowboy shirt on. It's good. All right. Jesus first. Psalm 5112. Fantastic psalm. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. What a great verse. eh? Psalm 51 is written by David at a very low point in his life. He was knee deep in sin. This is right after He has committed adultery with Bathsheba and had her husband killed. And then God goes to the prophet Nathan because David is a man after God's heart. God has put him in position as the king of Israel. And he goes off and does a bonehead thing like this. And God calls to Nathan. He says, go to David and confront him about what he's done. And Nathan goes to David and and tells him what he already knows. You're scum. You killed someone, had somebody killed, you took his wife. And David is filled with remorse. And he writes Psalm 51. And at the beginning of Psalm 51, there's an introduction. It says, a Psalm of David regarding the time Nathan the prophet came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. You ever notice that sometimes you have little notes in your Bible that, that tells you what this passage is about? This one's not a note in your Bible. That's in the Hebrew. That's part of this psalm. So that hundreds of years later, when they're reading this psalm, people will know what the circumstance of this psalm was. Now, I'm not going to go through the whole thing. I'd love to. So I'm going to pick a few verses. It starts out, so this is David. He's filled with remorse. He has no joy in his life at this point. He says, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. That will steal your joy. Down in verse 8, he says, oh, give me back my joy again. God, I need my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. I want my joy back, God. Verses 12 to 14. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me, a will- make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to the rebels and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves. Then I will joyfully Sing of your forgiveness. Two sources of joy right here. First one, redemption. Forgiveness of sin. As a Christian, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Doesn't matter what circumstance you're in today, right? We have a hope in the future, don't we? This is not all that there is. No matter how bad this gets, we have eternity with Jesus Christ. We have eternity with God. That's what we've got to look forward to. That's our redemption. That's our hope. This is not all that there is. That should give you some joy. The other joy that's in this is regeneration. I'm not who I used to be. When I went to Jesus Christ and I asked him to be my Lord and Savior and, and, and he sealed that future for me, he didn't say... It's kind of wait and see, Mike. So I'm going to come into you right now. I'm going to start changing you right now. This should bring you joy. You're not who you used to be. 
Every single moment of every single day, no matter how fallen you might feel you are, God is working in you. He's changing you. Sometimes we feel bad because of the work of the Holy Spirit in us. That's God's working. There's two reasons to give joy. And then I like the last part of the the verse here. And make me willing to obey you. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. What a great verse. Lord, I will put you first. I'll put you first in how I use my time. I'll put you first in how I use my treasure. I'll put you first in how I use my talents. I will put you first. I will serve you. Make me willing to obey you. And in return, I will receive from you joy. It's a good deal. It doesn't come naturally to us, though. You see, when you put your joy in your circumstances, or you put your joy in, in what other people think about you, you've given control of your joy to somebody else, to some other circumstance. It's not yours any longer. When you put your joy in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ, he loves you. He's singing over you. Do you think he wants you to be joyful? Absolutely he does. He knows your needs better than you know your needs. And he will restore to you the joy of his salvation. Others second. Randy used this verse yesterday in the men's breakfast. Others second. Matthew twenty-five forty. Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. The only way that you can serve Jesus is by serving others. Because Jesus is not sitting in your living room waiting for you to bring him coffee. The only way you can serve Jesus is by serving his people, others. There is no other option. If you come in here and you put your hands in the air and you're singing praises to God, do you know who feels good about that? You do. God's not displeased with it. If you read that psalm uh, that David wrote, right in the psalm he says, you don't require sacrifice. You require a repentant heart, a broken heart, a broken spirit. Jesus is on the street corner. With a sign that says, I'm hungry. Help me. He's in the eyes of a six-year-old kid back in that room. Looking for someone to tell him about Jesus. He's that person that walks in the door on a Sunday morning after having a rough week. And somebody holds out a hand and says, hey, how you doing, man? He's over there in the youth building with our kids who sometimes all they need is someone who's got a bit of maturity to lend them an ear and listen to them. Or he's with one of our techies as we stream this service online or the person that that puts the verses up there so that you can get to know Jesus a little bit better. He is in all of those things. When we serve others, we serve the Lord. There is no other way. We were created to be in community, and we were created to serve the community that we are in. So, the manger, created to be in community. When the angels came to the shepherds, (laughs) he didn't come to the shepherd came to the shepherds. He came to a community of people. When they appeared in the sky and they're singing the praises of God, it was a community. And they sent the shepherds into Bethlehem. When, when the angel or whoever told the magi, they didn't tell the king or the wise man or the magi. We don't know how many there was, but there was a community of them. And the shepherds came in, and and when they saw Jesus, there was joy in their hearts. And when the wise men came and they saw Jesus, there was joy in their hearts. It was a joy that they, they experienced in community. You know, last week during the toy run, 
something just kept coming to my attention. I can't, do you remember the name of the guy that was doing the microphone? I can't think of his name. Doesn't matter. One of the guys, one of the bikers. I noticed that numerous times he said something. And you could hear, you know how you can pick up the emotion in somebody's voice sometimes? Numerous times he, he said, man, we've had a bad year, haven't we? We've had a really rough year. And each time he said that, he said, but we can do something now. We can do this thing and we can help people. And every time he said that, you heard his voice go from the sadness to a voice with joy in it. We've had a really rough year. But guess what? Now we can help people. And you could, I heard it. So it just struck me as I was listening to him. And I thought, here you go. They've got these bikers. They're in the bar. And, and he kept also saying, and, and, and we're going to give all this money to Lakeway. That's such a wonderful charity. It's like, no, you're not giving it to Lakeway, but that's what he said. It, it's such a wonderful charity. And I thought, isn't it interesting? He knows that your joy comes in serving others, in helping others. I love those guys. I'll tell you what, I mean, come the end of the, the day, I'm packing the toys in the back of my car. We're all packing up the stuff. And as we're trying to get out the door, one of them comes to me. Yeah, our, our branch of the club just decided we're going to give an extra 500. And one of the other ones comes over and says, well, we're going to give an extra, the smaller group, we're going to give an extra 50 as well. Uh, and th- it was like, we just want to give a little bit more. Because they realize something. The more I give, the better I feel. It's been a rough year, hasn't it? But now we get to do this. Man, it just resonated with me. Others second. When you seek to serve Jesus in humility by serving others, it's got to be in humility. If you're serving, it's still all about you. Because we, we can fool ourselves sometimes. Oh, I'm serving the Lord. See how I'm serving the Lord? I'm so good, aren't I? I am so like Jesus. If you serve the Lord in humility, if you can put that stuff on the shelf and say, you know what, God? You saved me. You changed me. I owe everything I am to you. What can I do for you? Go serve food. Go into prison. Go change a diaper. Go welcome somebody as they come in the door. Change the slides. Work the camera. Whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. All right. Let me close with this. Flip, will you come on up, bud? And then we can commune. If you want to put joy in your Advent, in your Christmas, in your life, it begins by worshiping the King. That's the starting point. You look up. Put Him first. You do that by serving His people. Not a self-centered, self-serving, self-affirming service, but a genuine service. Humble, love-centered. You put Jesus first by putting aside your image, your pride, your need for approval, your need to meet your needs. And in humility, you come to Jesus. Now, if you're ready to do that, I put a simple prayer in your bulletin. And we can pray this prayer right now. If you want to add some more joy to your Christmas, you could just repeat this quietly, line after line. There's a power, I find, when God's people come together and call upon His name together. So you don't need to look at your bulletin. You could just bow your head, close your eyes right now, and as I pray, you can pray it right after me. Lord, here I am. 
I don't have much. But what I have, I bring to you. I can't do much. But what I can, I bring to you. Use me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And make me willing to obey you. I want to be yours, Jesus. Fully and completely. Amen. We're going to go to communion. Can I have those that are going to help with communion please come forward? You know, whatever we do, it's not enough. It's not enough. I love communion, but every time we do communion, I always feel it's a little piece of bread and a little bit of juice. And there's that song. Did we sing it today? Yes. Oh, what, was, what songs did you sing today? Emmanuel. It's not enough. What can I give to the Lord for what he has given to me? I will raise the cup of salvation. I will sing his praises to the people. smells good (laughs) I have one couple there one couple here one couple over there let's pray Heavenly Father in this moment in this space and time Father when we come to you now to commune with you as we commune with one another. We've got the cradle behind us, but in front of us is the cross. Father, nothing that we can do, no amount of service, no amount of contrite heart can compare to what you have done for us. You took upon yourself, upon your son, the sins of all of the world, of all people, for all time. Your word says that your son became sin. And the punishment that was due us was upon him. Thank you, Father. And you know, in this moment, if you've never come to that place in your life, or you remember saying... God, I need you in my life. I need your son in my life. This is a good time to do it. And it's so simple. If you've never taken that step and you know the Holy Spirit is prompting you now, you can just pray this prayer quietly. Lord Jesus, I need you. I need your forgiveness. Please come into my life and change me. Father, we come to communion today. Each one of us is not worthy to be in your presence, but through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you've taken away every barrier, every obstacle. Father, you have washed us clean in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ so that when we come to you, you don't see the mess that is our lives. You see us washed clean and pure. Thank you, Father. We come now to to celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. We come to celebrate the rebirth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we celebrate the coming Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As you are ready, please come forward, take the bread, take the juice, take it back to your seat. We will share communion together. Please come on forward.
scripture says that on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus broke the bread. He said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. It says, then he took the cup. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant. The new covenant replaced the old covenant where we had to keep coming to God with a sacrifice and an offering for our sin. He said, I am going to be your forever sacrifice. You no longer have to do this. I am the lamb that was slain for your sin. One for all time. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ shed for you. Take and drink. Father, again, we thank you for this simple ceremony of communion started by the Lord Jesus Christ himself, carried on for 2,000 years. And Father, our joy is that that body was broken for us, that blood was shed for us, that through Jesus Christ, we have eternal life with you. Signed and sealed. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Flip. All right. Well, we have one more day of living nativity tonight. If you want to come and be a part of it, I need people for tonight. So I think I've got a map up there. I like that. So we're doing the green bits, if you can see that tonight. It's a little bit fractured. Red is what we did on Friday. Yellow is what we did yesterday. So, Louis, we're coming down into your neighborhood. And then we're going over over there. Somebody lives over there. People do. Stevens, yes, you live over there. So we'll be in your neighborhood tonight. So come and be a part of it. Uh, be at the church at 6 o'clock so we all dress up like wise men and angels. For some of you, dressing up as a wise man is as close as you're ever going to get. So come and be a wise man and then we'll head out at six o'clock, 6.30 and we'll go for about an hour or so, however long it takes. And It's going to be nice weather tonight. So come and be a part of that. Uh, what else we got going on? December 19th, next week. Okay, I'm going to break this to you slowly. You don't get to hear from me next week. I know, I know. Thank you, I know. The kids are going to take the service next week. They're doing the worship, they're doing everything. Invite someone to come to the kids' service, okay? It's a nice, friendly thing. It's a great way of inviting someone. It's safe. Pastor's not even going to speak. I'll, I'll introduce and I'll close, but outside of that... Kids are doing it next week. Then December 24th, we got our Christmas Eve candlelight service right in here. Uh, so come and be a part of that. And obviously December 26th, just in case you're wondering, yes, there will be church. And uh, we're going to have a, a very, very traditional, simple service on the 26th. There's not going to be Sunday school or youth. We're just going to have everybody in here and we're going to celebrate Jesus. Sound like a plan? All right. Please be faithful with your offering. And on days, this is kind of weird these days. When we take up communion, we also take up a benevolence offering. And that is money that we take for our food pantry. And we ask that you would give that above and beyond your tithe and your offering for faithfulness to God. So, Lynn's got two things going there. The bag is the benevolence. And then there's the little thing that's for your offering or you can give online. What else have I got going here? Stay connected. Now I put one last thing in your bulletin on your notes. A question for you to consider. When it comes to joy, we're either going to steal somebody's joy or we're going to bring somebody joy. So just a question for you to ponder. What can you do this Advent season to be a joy bringer. Amen? Please stand. Let's pray. See, 12 minutes after 12, Cowboys are already two touchdowns up.
Who, who are they playing? Oh, yeah, we don't even like them, do we? You say the word, you have to wash your hands. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we just give you thanks again. We thank you for your holy presence with us. We thank you, Father, for the joy that comes to us when we put you first, when we put Jesus first. Father, when we align our lives with your purpose and your plan for our lives. Father, blind us to those things that we do not need to see. Deafen us to those things that we do not need to hear. As the world presses in on us all around with the bad news, help us stay focused on the good news. And Father, I pray for each and every one of us, as you pour out your blessing, that we would go from here and seek a way to be a joy bringer in the lives of the people that you interact with intersect our lives with. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Thank you all for coming. Thank you for being with us online.